0: When she had gone I entered the room half reluctantly, for the atmosphere of tragedy and horror was affecting me most profoundly. It was a smallish room, almost unfurnished save for a range of cabinets such as insect collectors use, and opposite one of these a man lay motionless on the floor, looking with his set marble-white face and fixed staring eyes like some horrible waxwork figure. I stooped over him to see if there were any sign of life, but even to a layman's eye the fixity, the utter immobility was unmistakable. The man was dead beyond all doubt. I listened with my ear at his mouth and laid my finger on the chilly wrist, but the first glance had told me all. The man was dead. As I stood up, still with my eyes riveted on the face, set in that ghastly stare, I became conscious of a certain dim sense of recognition. It was a strong, resolute face, and even in death, the fixed expression spoke rather of anger than of fear. Where had I seen that face? And then in a flash I recalled the name that the housekeeper had called through the telephone— Mr. Drayton. Of course. This was the brother of my neighbour in the temple, Sir Lawrence Drayton, the famous chancery lawyer. He had spoken to me of a brother who lived at Hampstead, and there could be no doubt that this was he. The likeness was unmistakable. But as I realised this, I realised also the certainty that this crime would become my professional concern Sir Lawrence would undoubtedly put the case in the hands of my friend John Thorndyke, the highest medico-legal authority and the greatest criminal lawyer of our time, and my association with Thorndyke would make me a party to the investigation. And that being so, it behoved me to gather what data I could before the police arrived and took possession. The mechanism of the crime was obvious enough though there were one or two mysterious features. Of the cabinet opposite which the body lay, one drawer was pulled out, and its loose glass cover had been removed and lay shattered on the floor beside the corpse. The contents of this drawer explained the motive of the crime, for they consisted of specimens of jewellery, all more or less antique and many of them quite simple and rustic in character, but still jewels. A number had evidently been taken to judge by the empty trays, but the greater part of the contents of the drawer remained intact. The rifle drawer was the second from the top. Having turned up the gas and lit a second burner, I drew out the top drawer. The contents of this were untouched, though the drawer appeared to have been opened, for the cover-glass was marked by a number of rather conspicuous fingerprints. Of course, these were not necessarily the prints of the robber's fingers, but they probably were, for their extreme distinctness suggested a dirty and sweaty hand, such as would naturally appertain to a professional thief in a state of some bodily fear, moreover the reason why this drawer should have been passed over was quite obvious its contents were of no intrinsic value consisting chiefly of buckinghamshire lace bobbins with carved inscriptions and similar simple objects